we shall be reading from the book of Galatians, chapter 6, verses 14 to 18. Again, that is Galatians, chapter 6, verses 14 to 18. But far be it for me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them, and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. Good morning. A fellow Bicolano from New York sent me a message, and we had a good chat online. We had a, a Zoom meeting online. And um, he was requesting me to write something about how we celebrate Peña Francia. I practically said we don't. But do we eat? Yes, we eat. If there's food given to us. But if it, somebody says, I'm giving it to you in the name of a certain saint, then we do not receive it. But if it's for the sake of food, we just eat food. If we have visitors coming to our house, then we welcome them because we have visitors and we have to serve uh, some food. The point is we give glory to the Lord alone. And that is just what I want to say before I begin. There is no other name by which men will be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. No other name. And the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus. Only one. We're here, here's the Father. And there's only one who was perfect without sin who died. Now anything else that is outside scripture are the philosophies and concepts of men that are not aligned to the Lord and to his apostles. Remember, in John 17, I pray for these and those who would believe in these. Who were those? His apostles. So that's why we believe the New Testament. Because they were written by a close associate or an associate of an apostle. Now, others would say, sure. Uh, well, he just wanted me to share what I think. I didn't answer him directly, but he wanted me to write it. Um, I didn't have the time to write it. Uh, why we have to focus on what matters. Justification is by faith alone. That matters. What matters to the soul, according to the Lord Jesus himself, according to Scripture, and according to what his apostles wrote. So, I've had a lot of these talks and discussions, and uh, 
and saying uh, stuff that it was men, the church who wrote the Bible. I said, what do you mean? You saying that it's men who wrote the word of God, yes, inspired by God himself. And that's why if you look at, if you look at the Bible, 66 writings, 66 scrolls, with a common theme from start to end, from Genesis to Revelation. No contradictions on the intents of the author, on the major things. There's a story that developed, and there's not one person who wrote it. It was written by around 40 authors. We don't know if Paul wrote Hebrews, or probably he did. So it's probable about 40 or 39 authors in a span of more than a thousand years. Now, if you get three philosophers who know each other, or at least one knows one another, you get them to write their thinking, you'll find a bunch of contradiction, and that's true with Socrates, Plato, and Aristotle. They mentored the other and the other, and you'll have a bunch of contradictions. And that's the beautiful thing about Holy Writ, the scriptures alone. But if somebody says they justify that, no, there's more to it. And that's when we are careful. Because anyone who just adds to it is secondary and tertiary and very far off. Those are the opinions of men. If they contradict what Scripture says, then we question it severely. Because it is always safe for our soul that what is aligned to the revealed Word of God is what we believe in. And, and such was the story of Galatians. The story behind the book was that Paul visited different places that we believe is South Galatia. Some believe it's North, but there's more arguments for South. In one of his missionary journeys, yet there's a group from Jerusalem that kept following him and twisting what he said. He kept preaching about the suffering, death, and resurrection of Christ. And we know if we cross-reference from Acts that in the places he went, he proclaimed repentance and faith. Yet there's a group that follows that says, no, it's not enough that you have faith. You have to follow the law, especially circumcision. Now, circumcision per se, we know that Paul allowed Timothy to be circumcised because he was a half-Jew. That's not the main issue of Paul, but once you put anything connected to how our souls are justified, how we are forgiven from our sins, if you connect anything there, then that becomes a false teaching. And he was so passionate about defending the gospel that he said, anyone who preaches another, which is not really another, but a distortion, let him be accursed. He felt strongly about it. Therefore, we should feel strongly about it. 
You just add anything to it. Then comes people who misinterpret parts of Scripture because they did not study the whole. That's why we have to study the whole of Galatians to understand Galatians. Now people are saying, so if it's just faith alone, you don't have to do good works? What's, what happens to morality? And this we want to clarify again and again. It's not our morality that justifies us. It's not our good works. It's not a point system. If you commit one sin, you have to do this to cover that sin. When it means to cover sin, it's seeking forgiveness from God and reversing our ways. But is morality necessary to be a Christian? Well, it's part of being a Christian. And this is where we want super clarity. We are justified or we are made righteous through faith alone. It means to entrust ourselves, to trust who Christ is and what He did and that significance of what He did. So it's not enough you know that He died and rose again. You believe that. You have to understand the significance of it and believe the significance of it. And aside from that, you trust Him with your whole life. You entrust. That's faith. My life, I entrust to you. But the faith you have, as we studied in Galatians, leads you to what? That the Spirit of God bears fruit. And now we understand, oh, this is Christian character. Or this is where morality comes in. Because there's such a thing as self-control. There's such a thing as kindness, goodness, faithfulness. So morality is part of a Christian's life, but never mistake that it is morality that will save you from the depths of hell. That we have to make clear again and again. What, how we are saved, you can see that when you go out. On the wall, we wrote a piece of scripture. We are saved by grace through faith. Wait, wait, is it faith or repentance? Well, I say you can separate the two. Because if you truly repent, which is a reversal of your way of thinking and way of life... If you do that, it means you have faith. And if you truly have faith, you believe in the Lord and you will manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Definitely there is repentance. There is a change of way of, a way of thinking. Because if you believe in Him, it means you believe in Him. You don't believe in yourself. You believe in Him. You believe in what He taught, not what others say. And the word for repentance is metanoia or metanoion, which is a reversal of thought. If this is how you thought, if you truly believe it, you truly repent, now your way of thinking is according to Christ and the Holy Scriptures. Galatians 6, 14 to 18. The title of today's sermon is What Matters. Paul questioned the motive of the false teachers or every false teacher. They taught a distorted gospel because they wanted to avoid persecution. And we, will, we, we can read this in the earlier verses before verse 14. 
Paul also revealed their hypocrisy about requiring others to become circumcised, but they do not obey the law. Now, there were some discussions about what does it mean when Paul said they do not obey the law when he revealed their hypocrisy. They're asking Gentile Christians to be circumcised so that they would be part of God's people. Paul is saying, no, 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 no. That's not necessary to be justified. To be justified is to remove the guilt of our sin. That is not necessary to be justified. But for them, it was a ritual that makes you part of Israel, of God's covenant people. And Paul is saying, no, no, there's a new covenant. However, these who preach circumcision are doing it. These are professing believers. Professing, take note, professing, because Paul considers them false teachers. They're professing believers who probably belong to the, to the Jerusalem church. And they're saying you have to add this. And Paul is saying they're doing it so that they will not be persecuted by the Jews. By the Jewish people. So they want a sense of being included among their race. They tell you to be circumcised, but they don't follow the law. Now, when you say they don't follow the law, it may mean, well, one is that nobody can fulfill the law. Nobody can obey 100% of the law. And the other might be, they're not actually faithful to the ceremonies. They want you to be circumcised, but they actually don't follow the ceremonies. They just do this because they want to avoid persecution. They, have, they want to avoid being ostracized, being contradicted, being hurt with words of those who don't believe. That's why they change the message. Uh, like today, there are many who change the message to say, for the sake of accommodating culture. They try to apologize for God. You'd never apologize for God. He is who He is. And maybe you do that because you don't understand Scripture enough. We never apologize for God. If somebody says, how ridiculous your belief. How can there be a God? Now, you, then that's when you become analytical. So I was talking to one, why one person doesn't believe in God. And he said, well, I, because I believe in science. All right, let's use science. Can something come out of nothing? Because that is what science says. Those who believe there is no God, that something, the evolutionary framework is about chance. And something came from absolutely nothing. In a perfect condition, 100% perfect, just the right distance from the sun, exact photosynthesis, exact oxygen in the air, no one made that. It happened by accident. And suddenly a tiny cell came up. And that was the beginning of all life on earth. Can something come out of nothing? Can, some, can this just happen? This thing, this podium just happen out of nowhere? Now you answer, give me a scientific explanation for that. 
So I say it takes more faith to be an atheist. You believe in the scientific process? You've been to the high school, right? Where you have to observe in the laboratory. And then you make definite conclusions or indefinite conclusions based on the experiment. So who has lived billions of years as you claim and observed the formation of human life? We don't apologize for God. God is God. And we don't bend scriptures to culture. We influence culture. It's not the other way around. There are studies, and even written by people who don't believe in God, that what changed the world to where we are now, where there are talks even of women empowerment. Where once upon a time, the weak on earth are exploited. Where rape was a common thing. When if you are a weak man, physically not strong, you become a slave of the strong. Abuse was common in the Greek world. So-called seat of wisdom. Then... Just study history. So then it was asked, how did we come to the point of a society that somehow respects the rights of others? Most of the conclusions will point to what? Christianity. Christianity has proposed, not just proposed, they made it a requirement. One man to one woman. And that rape is a sin. And sexual immorality is a sin. That murder is a sin. Many of the laws that we have came from Judeo-Christian tradition. If you are an intellectual. So friends, if you encounter those who pretend to be intellectuals, but some are truly intellectuals, if you ask them properly, nicely somehow you give them a food for thought and they will struggle just with that thought can something come out of nothing so many struggle with that thought and what is our contribution to the human race oh then you don't know your history it's imperfect because many who claim to be Christians just because they joined the church because the Bible did not say just joining a church makes you a true believer. There are many kings of the past who believe they were believers, but they were actually using scripture or using religion to conquer the world. Yes, there are those who abused it, but there's also those that are genuine. There's the jewel from the rubble. The few who remained faithful. When false teaching is everywhere, there will be always few. God will always have a few who will be faithful. Elijah said, I'm the only one left. Fearing for his life. And God told him, oh, 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 oh no, 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 no. 
I have 7,000 who, who have not bowed their knees to Baal. God's design is to always have a few who will be very faithful to Him and to Scripture. Now, going back to Galatians, these false teachers who twisted the, the, the gospel a little bit, just a little bit, their, boast, their purpose was to boast about gaining proselytes, converts. Not only to believers, to the church in Jerusalem, but I believe also to the race of Israel. that saying they are Gentiles, they've been circumcised, so they could boast about that. It's like boasting in a ministry that is distorted. It's just like having church growth, but with a false gospel. Now, however, Paul would explain the proper boasting is about boasting on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He focused the Galatians on what truly matters, the new creation in Christ. What matters is the new creation in Christ. It's not being part of a people. It's not being Jewish, having this long tradition from Abraham. No, it's not about that. It is about the new creation in Christ. And then he closed his letter asking the Galatians not to cause him trouble anymore. So I give you the last sermon on Galatians. Today we close the book. Point number one, right boasting. Paul wrote that unlike the false teachers who would boast in the circumcision of the Gentiles, he, or Paul, would only boast on the cross of Christ. Uh, Paul could boast about many things as a Jew. Remember, he was a Pharisee, a doctor of their law. A young zealot from the tribe of Benjamin. He had many things to boast about, but he did not. Because he thinks that such worldly boasting is dead to him. Let's read verse 14. Uh, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Now, let's look at that. As he was revealing, exposing the hypocrisy of, of these Judaizers, but he's saying, but far from me that I boast except in one thing. So you can boast, but except for one thing. That is what? In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It means the work of Christ. We boast in the work of Christ. He does not even boast about, hey, I've been so long in ministry, you know? Uh, and I know, uh, I know the, our nation's heritage and law and history. Uh, he could, but he would not. But that doesn't mean he does not learn. No, he, he is, we know, a faithful student of Scripture. Now, the Judaizers distorted the gospel to avoid persecution. Moreover, they learned to boast about the wrong thing. And Paul was, is making a contrast. That's why he said, but for me. No, because the Judaizers, their boasting was misplaced. The only boasting is about Christ and what he did on the cross. So whoever we speak with, we speak about who he is and what he has done. We always end there. We can begin there and end there. 
And I keep saying to us, never get tired of this. Wag yung pagsasawaan, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the significance of his suffering, death, and resurrection, and that he calls men to repent of their sins for their forgiveness. Next point, what matters? Paul explained his position that when it comes to justification in righteousness, circumcision or uncircumcision does not matter. What matters is a new creation in Christ, which the Spirit brings about through faith. Now, please take it in context, because if you say for Paul, circumcision doesn't matter, in relation to righteousness, it doesn't matter. But in relation to their history, the significance of it in their history, of course it matters. That's why I told you, be very careful when you study Scripture. It's just like one another. We cannot misinterpret one another. That's where conflicts happen between humans. Or even, well, if there's a misunderstanding, there's a, a, a wrong expectation. One example I gave you, like somebody said, I would love to go there. Then suddenly you interpreted it as he's coming here. No, that's not accurate. You can even go as close that, I think he wants to come here. But there's another question. Does he have the capacity to come here? Because somebody might say, I want to go there, but I finished the sentence, but I'm tied up. I'm taking care of my mother here in Australia, and I cannot move. And there are just responsibilities with the kids. Now, if you take the whole context, then he means something else. His intent is clear, but his capacity does not allow him. No, but if you suddenly say, take it out of context, oh, isn't it automatic that if he loves to come here, that he would come here? <laughs> now, just expand this one a little bit, right? To carefully not misinterpret Scripture. That's why when it says here, it says here. Within the context, do not, do not just give it so many meanings of your own. That is misinterpretation. That's why I prefer using the exact words that Scripture used. Of course, translated to English, but getting the full meaning of the sentences in the word so we can be more accurate. Now, when Paul said, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean anything. It means something in their history. But it doesn't mean, that means nothing in relation to justification. And in justification, pinawalang sala, the removal of the guilt through Christ. It has nothing to do with righteousness because our own righteousness is not accepted. What's accepted is the righteousness of Christ, who He is, the sinless person. Are we saved by works? Yes, His work, not ours. Now, our work is just proof. If there is any work, good work in us, we acknowledge that from the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit manifests the fruit through us. That's why we don't even boast in what we have done. Look at me, I'm a faithful Christian for 20 years. I've finished the Bible so many times. I've been memorized so many verses. Look at me. I don't drink anymore. We can't even boast of the transformation that he made. 
in our lives. But we can say, well, He did it because of Him. I am a wretched sinner until today. At times, I would come to Him seeking forgiveness because it says that if I confess my sin, He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. But do I grow in character? Of course, I have to. I have to keep growing. But that doesn't mean I'm perfect now, 100%. But do I pursue perfection? Yes, yes and yes. But knowing that I'm a wretched sinner. We pursue holiness. Yet, we know it's only by grace we attain anywhere. So Paul would not boast. So what counts? Not circumcision, not uncircumcision. Let's re read verse 15. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, what matters? A new creation. What is a new creation? A new life in Christ. Justified by faith. Righteousness through faith. It's not a new life like reform your ways. Yes and no. It's a new life of faith. And the Spirit of God comes within us. And according to the promise, He writes His law within us. Therefore, He actually gives us a new heart. Therefore, we want to obey because of the Holy Spirit. We are not forced to obey. Because if we do try to reform our ways according to our own strength, we will fail. We will always fail. But through Christ, if we rely on the Spirit, what matters is a new creation. What matters when we proclaim the gospel, hoping and praying that they would have genuine faith through the Holy Spirit and there would be a new creation. What matters is the new creation. Why do we do what we do? Why do we invite people for Bible study or growth groups? Because again and again, we study God's Word because we don't know if they're new creation already. But if ever they are, we want to nurture that new life in Christ. It's a new life in Christ. And it's a life different from how the world thinks. It's a new life in Christ. Therefore, the way I do things, I have to come to the Lord through the Scripture. If I'm truly saved, if I truly have faith, I would come to the Holy Scriptures and contrast and compare my life to what the Lord requires, humbly. Lord, guide me and teach me and change me. There's that desire to change. But the change is not the thing that saves me. It's just the thing that happens because I am saved. It's the thing that happens because we are justified. Now, verse 16, Paul said, As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. And upon the Israel of God. What rule? The immediate context is the new creation. What matters most is the new creation. He who walks by this rule. It's not about circumcision. It means it's not about adding anything to the gospel. No addition to the gospel. But as it is. Because the gospel brings a new creation. It's not about rules and regulations, although the Bible does command us. There are moral laws that still apply to us, 
Do not commit adultery is one of them. Premarital sex is another. We do not follow the world's ways, but we walk by this rule. What matters most is the new creation. That's why in church, we have to focus on that. Then said, peace and mercy be upon them. Peace and mercy to whom? To those who believe in the gospel, the accurate gospel, without change, without distortions. As revealed in the other letters, he extends the prayer to God's Israel, which Paul hoped would come to faith in the Lord. Then he gave his final words, my last point. Paul wanted the Galatians to stop giving him trouble. Trouble in the letter's context meant believing in a distorted gospel and believing the lies about him. He proved his sincerity by describing the marks on his body, means the suffering he went through by preaching the gospel, the non-distorted gospel. Let's read verses 17 and 18 of Galatians 6. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. What does it mean by from now on, let no one cause me trouble? Well, one is... Do not believe a distorted gospel because true shepherds, true teachers of God's word are affected if the people under their care believe in a distorted gospel. We are genuinely concerned. Because remember, if you believe that you can add to it by your works, you have abandoned the grace of God according to Paul. So even our attitude when we do good works, it's a manifestation of God. We don't even parade it. Don't you remember what Jesus said? If you want to do good or give alms, do not announce it with a trumpet. Do not let your right know what your left hand is doing. It means once you help somebody and praise God, you did a good work. You don't sound the trumpet. Look, I gave. Uh, what's the equivalent of the trumpet today? Social media. You want to do good, just do good. The person you did good to will remember your kindness. And that is showing the light of God to the world. Others interpret, let your light so shine before men, by what? Uh, posting on social media everywhere how good they are, how many they've helped. I can tell you there are members in this church who never made an announcement only in casual conversation that I have found out that for many years they have fed others and proclaiming the gospel at the same time. And I am blessed with that. But if you have to make a ta-ta-ra-ta, Paul is saying, I'm not here to boast about anything except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I bear in my body the marks. And then he said, let no one cause me trouble. Be careful what you believe. And the other kind of trouble was what? The lies spread about him. Because the Judaizers wanted to discredit his message because they wanted to distort it, adding a requirement. They had to come up with negative things about Paul. Oh, he's not really an apostle, you know? So beware those who want your money or who want 
who offers a distorted gospel yet has to has to discredit those who are carefully preaching the gospel so what do we do you know that those who teach carefully interpreting it carefully how do you interpret scripture the way you interpret literature literature there's poetry there's narrative what does it mean the way you interpret news the news how do you interpret the news uh, some mystify it so much that says only what a select few of our church can interpret scripture no I'm saying empower the people empower the people and that's the significance of the Reformation not only you can interpret scripture everybody should have a Bible and they should read it and learn from it by context of course growing in learning how to interpret takes time like you, will inter you can't interpret a letter the way you would interpret the Torah, the law. It's different how you treat the law and how you interpret an epistle. There's narrative. You don't treat narrative as law. You don't say, oh, look, Solomon has, <laughs> uh, wow, so many wives. So that's biblical, right? Look at the text. He suffered for it. And some just don't use their common sense. If you're having trouble with one wife, imagine two. Sorry. <laughs> we have to love our wives and cheer her up. And one is enough. Because that's already a lot of work. Amen. So when you go back to, it's just like an email sent, you have to interpret it properly. Let no one cause me trouble, Paul says. That includes believing the false gospel. That includes what? Believing the lies about the apostle who was preaching the right thing. And he had the proof because I bear the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Although persecution is not so much in this nation, physical persecution, meaning we don't have the stripes to prove it, but we can have the history to prove it of how much we were ostracized, how much we were, how many went against us because we believe in the gospel. We have to have that story as well alongside the persecution within the church for preaching what is accurate. Remember, these, are, these Judaizers are professing believers from the Jerusalem church. They're just not accurate. And Paul called them false teachers. So is it possible for a false teacher to be a member of our church community? Oh, yes. Hopefully, it's not the one beside you. But is it possible? Yes. We are all candidates if we are not careful. Now, Paul ended the letter by examining or by extending the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to the readers. And he called them brothers. What does that say? This meant that he was hopeful that they would correct their way of thinking about the gospel and about him. He's hoping that that relationship would be restored as he spoke of the truth. He's hoping. He called them brothers. 
Now, quickly through the application, number one, boast in Christ. We should boast only about Christ and what he did on the cross, which was to die for our sins. And we should avoid boasting about ourselves, our good works, our morality, our ministry, and our accomplishments. There's no need to boast. But what do we say? Well, let's admit who we are. We are wretched sinners. One sin makes you a sinner. One person who kills another person is already called a killer. Just one. One sin, you are a sinner. We are sinners. You should boast about what he did on the cross, which was to die for our sins. And remember, we should boast about, not about ourselves, our good works, our morality, not our ministry, and our accomplishments. Please do not brag about our church community. We have nothing to brag. We can be thankful of many things, and that's how we should package it. We're just thankful. We're thankful for many things, but we do not boast. Please be careful. If you want to create a strong, making our church having a, you put branding there, please be careful. Anyone who does that will be misled. We boast only in what Jesus did. And Paul said that the world was crucified to him and him to the world. Uh, what does that mean? Paul reckoned that all his religious rigor in the past has nothing compared to Christ. May we die to every religious belief and that is not aligned to the gospel or revealed in Scripture. Let us die to any belief that is not aligned with Scripture. The world is crucified. Then focus on what matters. We should focus on what matters. What matters is the new creation in Christ brought about by believing in the gospel through the Spirit. That is, of course, if the gospel is the gospel without distortion. So we have to check, do I believe in the gospel? And how, do you, how can you be sure? Well, it's all over Scripture. You can look at Romans 1, 1 Corinthians 15. I love Luke 24. When, when the Lord said to his apostles, you are witnesses of these things. Witnesses of what? That the Christ had to die. Well, he had to suffer and die and rose, rise again on the third day. And he said, and repentance should be proclaimed for the forgiveness of sins to all the nations. It was a direct command that repentance must be proclaimed. And that's why I question even our present Christian culture Evangelical culture, which when you hear the preaching of the gospel, repentance is not emphasized. They just make it easy, come and accept. And how, how do you do that? It's not even repentance. It's, it's follow this prayer. Just follow me and then that's it. Therefore, let us pray for more new creations in Christ and for peace and blessing to all who follow the same rule, what rule? What matters is the new creation in Christ through faith in the gospel, through the Spirit. And lastly, don't cause trouble. Let us not believe in a distorted gospel because it will cause problems for faithful shepherds. We're so concerned if you believe something else. That affects us. And sometimes if you're stubborn, I want to sit with you and ask you why. Why? Why? Explain to me, and please defend it to me. 
You must be able to defend it because I can defend what I believe clearly from Scripture, explicitly. But if I try to poke holes in what you believe, can you defend it? And our argument is simply this. If there's a more accurate way of saying it, why don't you choose that? And there's a less accurate way of saying it. Why choose that when you can choose this? Why defend this if you can choose this? So don't cause problems for me, okay? That's your application, okay? And for the eldership, and for the growth group leaders, don't cause problems, all right? Believe in what clearly Scripture says, according to context. They are deeply concerned about what we believe. Instead, let us remain supportive of what the faithful preachers and teachers of the gospel if you go online, there are very few. You, you, you go church hopping, you'll find very few. Most are jumping all over the place. Most are just talking about topics, topics that are not even related to the gospel, mostly about your encouragement. Some give a lot of time for self-esteem or about wealth creation in the pulpit. You can do that elsewhere, but not in preaching God's word. Because he never died so that those who follow Christ will be wealthy. That's not the goal. That he may seek and save that which is lost. That's the purpose. Aside from carefully testing in every teaching, we have to test every teacher. We should also test every gossip. Paul said to Timothy, do not accept an accusation against a leader, an elder, if there are no two witnesses. Means it's not accepted. Because that might just be gossip. So careful how you speak about leaders. No, they should be corrected if they are wrong. We should be corrected. But not out of gossip. There's somebody wrong, you approach, you discuss. Brother, I saw you coming out of a hotel room with a beautiful girl. What did you do? Oh, we had a prayer meeting. <laughs> First of all, that's already improper in that sense. And that is, it has to be discussed, but not through gossip. You go directly, and if need be, if it's a leader, you go to the eldership. Simple as that. We discipline our own. We exercise church discipline here. But we do it quietly. We don't broadcast the sins of others. We rebuke them directly and give them a plan to change privately. But sometimes we reveal it, reveal it to faithful members of the church. So, brothers and sisters... Don't cause trouble for your leaders. You think we're doing this for... Why are we doing this? Just think about it. Do we gain money for correcting you? No, we might even lose money. Maybe you won't like us anymore and not give to this church. But we risk that. Because we don't care about that compared to what Scripture tells us. Why are we doing that? 
at the risk of you hating us. No matter how gently we do it, we still get hated. Because that's part of what we should do. We proclaim do not be equally yoked with non-believers. Oh, we do not advise a relationship with a non-Christian. I can tell you so many ways how it can complicate your faith. We have to test every gossip because usually the one corrected will tell, will spin those who are influenced by the evil one. Will, and without them knowing it, they will spin a story to make them the lead character. And the other one, especially your pastor, the antagonist, and he is a protagonist. I'm the hero here. I'm the one oppressed. Oh, remember Proverbs. One seems right when the first reports until he's cross-examined. And this is what we do here. If somebody dares, speak about a good, faithful member of the church. We correct, and, but if it is unclear, what? We cross-examine. We cross-examine. Like, how did you know about that? That's one cross-examination. Oh, I heard it from this person who heard it from this person who heard it from this person and that person. You know how that, the story changes through many... You ever played that game in team building? You tell a story and then you have to pass it to the front. And by the time it gets to the front, the story is different. Oh, let us not cause trouble. But what should we do? Let us prevent it. And take active part in defending the gospel. So I give you right now a poem called Boast. Sounds like toast, but it's boast. Most boasting is not good for us. We boast only in Christ Jesus. For we shall boast on who he is, what he has done, and what he says. We shall not boast about good works. Be watchful of pride that so lurks. No pride in our spiritual growth, but the work of Him we shall boast. We seek not to impress people. Such thinking is very feeble. Our aim is to please God alone and Christ whom our sins did atone. Focus then on what matters most, a new life in Christ we shall boast new creation through the Spirit and the Gospel from Holy Writ. Stay faithful and cause no trouble. Spot the jewels from the rubble. Pray blessings to all who proclaim the truest Gospel in His name. Let us all rise. Let us pray. Father, thank You for this morning. As Paul the Apostle closes, closed the letter we still remember the words in closing that we would rather boast in Christ alone not in ourselves not in our religion or religiosity for the world is crucified and religiosity is a way of the world nor the lifestyle of the world 
that we crucified as well. Crucified and prayerfully that it would not rise unlike Christ was crucified but rose again. Teach us to understand that, as Paul said, the circumcision counts for nothing and uncircumcision as well. It doesn't matter. What matters most is a new creation that is founded in justification by faith, righteousness through faith. May we extend peace who follow the same rule, who are accurate with the gospel. Teach us to cherish the jewels from the rubble. Yet not exalting them, only exalting Christ alone. Not exalting human preachers or teachers, but Christ alone. Teach us never to boast about anything, including ministry, except what you have done. And that your name alone would be glorified. Teach us to extend peace to all who are careful teachers of the word. But teach us to be watchful for those who do not or careless Lord I pray blessing to those all who are here may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ the love of the Father and the fellowship of his spirit be with you all God's people say Amen good morning